I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome, my friends, to the Renaissance English History Podcast. Another episode, we've up to like 218, I think this one is. And today we are talking about Sir Walter Raleigh, an explorer, an adventurer, eventually executed. So we are going to dig into the life of Walter Raleigh. Thank you to my newest YouTube channel members. Thank you to my newest YouTube channel members. If you're listening to this on YouTube, you can click join this channel to become a member. You get extra episodes. You get discounts at my merch shop, all kinds of fun things, depending on what level you join at. Super fun. And you get to know that you are supporting this channel, the warm, fuzzy feeling you get inside. So click that join now button and join the community, the new and growing community. Or you can also, if you're listening to this on a podcatcher, you can join via Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Englandcast get the same things, extra episodes. Depending on what level you're at, you get a free tutor planner. Super cool. So patreon.com slash Englandcast or just join the channel if you are listening to me on YouTube. All right, let us get into it. Sir Walter Raleigh stands as a towering figure in Tudor history, embodying the spirit of adventure, ambition, and intellectual curiosity that marked the Elizabethan age. Born around 1554, Raleigh's life unfolded during a period when England was transforming under the reigns of the Tudor monarchs, notably Elizabeth I. The Elizabethan period was a time of exploration and expansion, religious upheaval, and artistic flourishing. It saw England breaking away from the Catholic Church under Henry VIII and then reaching its zenith under Elizabeth I. This was the age of Shakespeare, Marlowe, and Spencer, where literature and the arts were in a state of Renaissance influenced heavily by the humanist ideals of the period. The era was also marked by great geographical discoveries with figures like Walter Raleigh leading the charge. Raleigh's life and career encapsulates the essence of this period. A favorite of Queen Elizabeth I, he was a courtier, explorer, soldier, and poet. His influence was such that he significantly impacted the course of English and indeed world history. Raleigh's expeditions to the Americas and his attempts to establish colonies there were among the first for England, playing a crucial role in the early stages of the British Empire. His search for the mythical El Dorado and his establishment of the Roanoke Colony in what is now North Carolina are stories of ambition, mystery, and the unquenchable thirst for new horizons that defined his time. Raleigh was not just a man of action, but also letters. His poetry and his writings reflect the intellectual vibrancy of the Elizabethan age. He was a contemporary of some of the greatest minds of English literature. His work contributed to the canon of Renaissance literature. 
Raleigh's life, though, was also marked by political intrigue and eventual tragedy. His complex relationship with Queen Elizabeth and later with King James I led him through a series of ups and downs, culminating in his eventual downfall. His life story is a dramatic and telling example of the perils of court life in Tudor England, where favor could lead to great heights and disfavor to the Tower of London. In this episode, we will delve into the multifaceted life of Sir Walter Raleigh. Through his story, we will explore the broader narratives of the Tudor period, a time of profound transformation that shaped the course of English history. Raleigh's legacy, a blend of glory and tragedy, adventure and ambition, serves as a perfect lens through which to view and understand this period. Sir Walter Raleigh's journey began in a modest farmhouse in Devonshire around 1554. He was born into a well-connected gentry family. His early years were shaped by the rural landscapes of Devon, the turbulent religious and political climate of mid-16th century England. His father, Walter Raleigh of Fardell, and his mother, Catherine Champernown, who I think I'm going to do a members-only video on this week or next because she is fascinating as well, uh, were both of distinguished lineage, providing young Walter with a background that combined the rusticity of country life with the intricacies of noble lineage. The England of Raleigh's childhood was a nation in flux. The Protestant Reformation had taken firm root under Henry VIII and continued under Edward VI, but was briefly and brutally reversed during Mary I's reign. This religious upheaval left an indelible mark on Raleigh, who grew up in a Protestant household during a time of Catholic resurgence. Such early experiences likely influenced his later life, particularly his views on religion and politics. Education played a pivotal role in shaping the young Raleigh. He attended Oriel College, Oxford, albeit briefly, where he was exposed to the humanistic ideals that were sweeping through the intellectual circles of Europe. This education laid the groundwork for his future as a poet and a thinker, immersing him in the Renaissance worldview that championed human potential and inquiry. However, Raleigh was more inclined towards adventure than academic pursuits, and his time at Oxford was short-lived. He soon set off to France to fight with the Huguenots in the French Wars of Religion, gaining an early military experience and taste for the life of a soldier and adventurer. Raleigh's introduction to court life was as serendipitous as it was dramatic. His return to England coincided with the ascension of Elizabeth I to the throne. Raleigh's half-brother, Sir Humphrey Gilbert, already an established figure at court, likely helped introduce him to the royal circle. Raleigh's charisma, wit, and intelligence quickly caught the attention of the queen. Legend has it that Raleigh famously laid his cloak over a puddle for the queen to walk over, a story that, while perhaps apocryphal, captures the essence of his bold and flamboyant approach to courtship. His rise at court was meteoric. His combination of bravery, eloquence, and keen political acumen made him a favorite of Elizabeth I. He was granted a royal charter to explore and colonize the New World, and his ventures in Ireland further solidified his reputation as a capable and resourceful leader. These early experiences at court set the stage for his later achievements and tribulations as his fortunes became increasingly tied to the whims and fancies of the monarch. Raleigh's early life thus was a blend of education, military experience, and a strategic approach to navigating the complexities of the Elizabethan court, laying a foundation for his future endeavors and eventual legacy. So, like I said, his ascent within the Elizabethan court is a tale of charisma, ambition, and political savvy. 
His first notable interaction with the Queen is shrouded in romantic legend, where he supposedly captivated Elizabeth by gallantly placing his cloak over a puddle for her to walk over. Whether fact or fiction, this story epitomizes his flamboyant and bold approach to life at court. His relationship with Elizabeth was complex and multifaceted. He quickly became a favorite of the Queen, who was charmed by his wit, intelligence, and daring spirit. Elizabeth was known for her ability to discern talent and character. She saw in Raleigh not just a courtier, but a capable administrator and a military leader. Their relationship, however, was not without its strains. Raleigh's favor with the queen fluctuated, often depending on the success of his ventures and the court intrigues at the time. One of the most significant highlights of his career at court was his knighthood in 1585. This honor not only elevated his status, but also reflected the queen's recognition of his services to the crown. As a knight, Raleigh was entrusted with more significant responsibilities and undertook various missions on behalf of Elizabeth. Raleigh's career at court was marked by a series of notable achievements. He was appointed Lord Warden of the Stanneries, responsible for the administration of the tin mines in Cornwall and Devon, a position that allowed him to exercise considerable power and influence in the region. He also served as the captain of the Queen's Guard, a prestigious position that placed him at the heart of the royal security apparatus. Raleigh's influence extended beyond the court to the realms of exploration and colonization. He was granted a royal patent to explore and colonize lands in the New World, leading to his establishment of the Roanoke Colony in present-day North Carolina. Although the colony ultimately failed, and I did do an episode on Roanoke a couple of years ago, I'll link to it in the description, it marked one of the first English attempts at establishing a permanent settlement in North America. Despite his accomplishments, Raleigh's relationship with the Queen was not immune to challenges. His secret marriage to one of Elizabeth's maids of honor, Elizabeth Throckmorton, in 1592 led to a temporary fall from grace, demonstrating the precarious nature of royal favor. His time at the Elizabethan court was a period of great personal advancement, but also careful navigation through the complex web of court politics. So interestingly, Raleigh actually never set foot in North America, but he did sponsor and organize expeditions that laid the groundwork for future English colonization. Under his direction, two expeditions were launched in the early 1580s, aiming to explore the eastern coast of North America. These voyages were part of England's broader strategy to challenge Spanish dominance in the New World and establish a foothold in the Americas. Raleigh's expeditions provided valuable information about the geography and the resources of the Atlantic coast, fueling England's colonial ambitions. One of Raleigh's most famous exploits was his quest for El Dorado, the legendary city of gold believed to be hidden in South America. His two expeditions in 1595 and 1617 to find this mythical city were driven as much by personal ambition as by national interest. The expeditions ventured deep into the Orinoco River in present-day Venezuela, enduring harsh conditions and hostile encounters with the indigenous people. While Raleigh never found El Dorado, his expeditions contributed significantly to European knowledge of South America's geography and indigenous cultures. His accounts of these voyages, filled with vivid descriptions and embellishments, captured the public imagination in England and Europe. Though ultimately a failure in terms of treasure, these adventures cemented Raleigh's reputation as a daring explorer and stoked further interest in the Americas. 
Perhaps Raleigh's most enduring legacy as an explorer is the founding of the Roanoke Colony, which he sponsored in 1585. Located on Roanoke Island in what is now North Carolina, the colony was the first English attempt at establishing a permanent settlement in North America. Raleigh himself never visited the colony, delegating its leadership to others, including John White, who would become the grandfather of Virginia Dare, the first English child born in the Americas. The Roanoke colony, however, is best known for its mysterious fate. When supply ships returned to the colony in 1590 after a three-year absence, they found it abandoned with no trace of the settlers except for the cryptic word Croaton carved into a tree. This disappearance has sparked centuries of speculation and research, making Roanoke a symbol of the challenges and uncertainties of the early colonial ventures. You can listen to my full podcast on that. Like I said, I'll put a link in the description. The historical significance of Roanoke lies not only in its mysterious end, but also in its role in the broader narrative of European expansion and colonization. The colony's establishment marked the beginning of the English colonial enterprise in the Americas, a precursor to later successful settlements like Jamestown and Plymouth. It represented the ambition, risk, and often harsh realities of the age of exploration. Raleigh's contributions as an adventurer and explorer are a testament to the bold spirit of the Elizabethan era. His voyages and ventures, while fraught with challenges and mysteries, played a pivotal role in expanding the horizons of the known world and laid the groundwork for the eventual establishment of the British colonies in the New World. His exploits encompassing both triumph and tragedy are integral to understanding the complexities and aspirations of his time period. Walter Raleigh was also, though, the quintessential Renaissance man, deeply engaged in the intellectual and artistic currents of his time. His contributions as a poet and writer are reflective of the vibrant spirit of the Elizabethan age, an era marked by a flourishing of arts and literature. The term Renaissance man aptly applies to Raleigh, who was not only involved in exploration and politics, but also deeply immersed in the cultural and intellectual pursuits of his era. He epitomized the Renaissance ideals of a well-rounded individual, proficient in multiple fields. Raleigh's engagement with literature and poetry was part of a broader cultural movement in Elizabethan England, where courtiers were expected to excel in arts and letters as much as in politics or military affairs. Raleigh's literary contributions, though not as extensive as those of his contemporaries like Shakespeare or Spencer, are significant for their depth and reflect his wide-ranging experiences and thoughts. His poetry, often overshadowed by his more public exploits, is characterized by its eloquence, wit, and sometimes its melancholic tone. One of his most famous poems, The Nymph's Reply to the Shepherd, is a response to Christopher Marlowe's The Passionate Shepherd to His Love. In this work, Raleigh adopts the voice of a nymph, responding skeptically to the shepherd's romantic promises showcasing his ability to engage in the intellectual and artistic dialogues of his time. Another notable work is The Lie, a satirical poem that critiques the vanity and deceit of courtly life and the broader societal norms of the day. This poem's blunt honesty and reflective tone provide a window into Raleigh's own disenchantment with the world that he inhabited. Raleigh's writings are a mirror to the Elizabethan age, a period of great dynamism, exploration, and intellectual inquiry. His works encapsulate the era's preoccupations with love, nature, exploration, and the complexities of court life. 
They also reflect the humanist ideal. They also, of course, reflect the humanist ideas prevalent during the Renaissance, emphasizing the individual experiences and expression of individual people. In his poetry and prose, Raleigh often explores themes of love, mortality, and the human condition, echoing the broader existential inquiries that characterize the period. Raleigh's legacy as a poet and writer, therefore, is inseparable from his identity as a Renaissance man and prominent figure of the Elizabethan age. His literary works offer a nuanced perspective on the era, revealing a man who was not only a participant in the grand adventures of his time, but also a reflective observer of its complexities and contradictions. Sir Walter Raleigh's life, marked by dazzling heights of favor and influence, was equally shadowed by dramatic falls from grace illustrating the volatile nature of political power in Elizabethan and Jacobean England. His downfall was a complex interplay of personal missteps, political intrigue, and the shifting tides of royal favor. His first significant fall from grace occurred in 1592 when Elizabeth discovered his secret marriage to one of her maids of honor, Elizabeth Throckmorton. This marriage, deemed a serious breach of court protocol, angered the queen, known for her strict control over her courtiers and ladies-in-waiting. Raleigh and his wife were both imprisoned in the Tower of London, though they were released a few months later. This incident marked a turning point in Raleigh's fortunes, and he never fully regained the Queen's favor. After Elizabeth's death in 1603, Raleigh's position became even more precarious under James I. Raleigh, who had been a vocal skeptic of the King's ascension, quickly fell out of favor with the new monarch. His involvement in the main plot, a conspiracy to overthrow James I, provided the king with the pretext to move decisively against him. Raleigh was arrested and imprisoned in the Tower of London in 1603, accused of treason. The trial was a high-profile affair and Raleigh conducted his own defense. However, the trial was marred by irregularities and the use of torture to extract confessions from other accused conspirators. The evidence against Raleigh was largely circumstantial and based on testimony of a single and unreliable accuser, Lord Cobham. Despite the lack of concrete evidence, Raleigh was found guilty of treason. His sentence was a testament to the severity with which the Jacobean regime viewed real or perceived threats to its stability. Raleigh was initially sentenced to death. This was commuted to imprisonment by James I, who likely saw political advantage in keeping Raleigh alive but neutralized. The charges against Raleigh and the conduct of his trial have been the subjects of historical debate. The trial is often cited as an example of the miscarriage of justice, reflecting the arbitrary and politically motivated nature of legal proceedings of the time. Raleigh's eloquence and dignity during the trial won him much public sympathy, but they were insufficient to sway the outcome in a politically charged atmosphere. Raleigh's imprisonment lasted for 13 years, during which time he wrote extensively, including his work The History of the World. His eventual release in 1616 was conditional and aimed at exploiting his expertise for a further expedition in search of El Dorado. This final venture, which ended in failure and the breaching of peace with the Spanish, provided James with the grounds to reinstate Raleigh's original sentence. His execution in 1618 was the culmination of a life entangled in the web of political intrigue. His downfall reflected not only his complex character, but also the intricate and often perilous dynamics of power and favor. His final years were a blend of fleeting hope and ultimate tragedy, encapsulating the dramatic arc of his life. After languishing in the Tower of London for 13 years, like I said, he was released in 1616, 
not out of royal clemency, but for a practical purpose. James wanted to benefit from Raleigh's knowledge and experience and authorized him to lead an expedition in search of El Dorado, which turned disastrous. Not only did it fail to find the mine, but it also led to a conflict with the Spanish, a violation of the conditions of Raleigh's release and peace terms with Spain. When he returned to England in 1618, Raleigh was arrested and his earlier sentence of execution issued over 15 years prior was reinstated. This time there was no reprieve. Raleigh was beheaded at Whitehall on October 29, 1618. His final words and composure at the scaffold reflected his enduring spirit. His execution was as much a political decision by James I to appease the Spanish as it was a final act in the downfall of one of the period's most remarkable figures. Apparently, his final words were, Let us dispatch. At this hour my ague comes upon me. I would not have my enemies think I quaked from fear. He was allowed to see the axe that would be used to behead him, and then he said, This is a sharp medicine, but it is a physician for all diseases and miseries. According to biographers, his last words spoken to the hesitating executioner were, What dost thou fear? Strike, man, strike. Walter Raleigh is also famous for having introduced tobacco to England. Uh, he was one of the people to popularize tobacco smoking, and he actually left a small tobacco pouch found in his cell shortly after his execution. And engraved on the pouch was a Latin inscription that I'm not going to try to read, but it translates to, it was my companion at that most miserable time. So we will leave it there with Walter Raleigh, a complicated man who is remembered in pop culture and history. His legacy is often romanticized. He's remembered as a dashing courtier, a brave explorer, and a victim of political intrigue. He was a quintessential Elizabethan hero, but these portrayals sometimes gloss over the complexities of his character and the darker aspects of his life and times. No matter what, though, his story is a testament to the heights of ambition and the depths of misfortune that characterized the lives of those who navigated the turbulent waters of Tudor and early Stuart England. His legacy continues to be a subject of fascination and debate, embodying the extraordinary dynamism and the perilous nature of the age in which he lived. So thank you so much for listening, my friends. If you want to get extra episodes and support this podcast, I sure would appreciate you joining my Patreon page or joining the channel on YouTube, depending on where you're listening to this, englandcast.com slash Patreon for the Patreon page, where you can join for as little as a dollar an episode, or just join the channel for a monthly subscription on the YouTube channel. Either way, you get awesome goodies, fun stuff, um, extra videos, all kinds of good stuff. All right, my friends, thank you so much for your support and your listenership. I will talk to you again very soon. Blow, northern wind, a central baby sweating. Blow, northern wind, blow, blow, blow. Ich hoor te boor in bouwrebriek, at soli samlies ons